Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good and gracious God. God, during these crazy times that we're living in right now, Lord, I am so thankful that you are our anchor, like we just sang about, Lord, that you are our anchor for our soul. And God, we pray that as we gather here as uh, your, your children uh, to hear from your word this morning, God, we pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truth and wisdom. And God, may it uh, just firmly plant in our lives and bear fruit for your name's sake. So God, may the words from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, we are in our May series where we're exploring the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is a unique book uh, compared to the rest of the books of the Bible. It is a collection of songs, prayers, and poetry uh, with multiple authors spanning over a thousand years and then collected and put in the format that we have today. And one of the reasons I love the Psalms, and I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again, I personally love the Psalms because the authors are real and raw with their feelings, their emotions, their fears, their doubts, everything that's going on in their life. Even their trust in the Lord. And, the, and what else I love about the Psalms too is they paint a vivid picture for us about who our God is and what it looks like to be in a relationship with Him. I don't know about you, but I love music, and music today, I think, is just another form of poetry, and so I love uh, reading the Psalms, and I feel very connected to the Psalms as I read them, and I want to pose this question to you guys before we jump into the text today, and that is, have you ever been connected, have you ever connected intimately with a passage of Scripture? Has God's Word Just embedded it in your life in a way that's been transformative for you. Maybe you've been going through something. Maybe you've had a tough circumstance and a friend or a pastor or a a family member has shared a, a section of scripture with you that just really, through the power of the Holy Spirit, touched your life. Maybe providing comfort, inspiration to move forward. Maybe transformation. Maybe you had a, uh, a skewed view of who God was or what it looked like to live in relationship with him. And that section of scripture just righted your course. It corrected your path and it led you down a better road. Have you ever connected intimately with a passage of scripture? Well, today, this section of scripture uh, It's very intimate to who I am because I connected with it at a very young age. When I was about nine years old, um, I was plagued with uh, recurring nightmares. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced this. Maybe you've had kids who've experienced uh, frequent nightmares. Um, It's not fun. And in fact, as a parent, my daughter has had a couple recently where it's, it's scary. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, you hear this like, banshee scream out of nowhere and you wake up and you're like frozen like what was that and instantly protect your dad you know run up the stairs seeing what's wrong with her right and she's nothing's wrong with her she, well she's experiencing some trauma from a dream probably but she's scared she's calling for mama dad dad mama dad dad and although i was nine i i wasn't calling out for my mama and dad like my daughter does when she has nightmares but i'd wake up just shaking and panic and anxiety and scared and sometimes crying. And just as any little kid, I, would, I had a nice little lamp by the side of my bed. It was a 
stuffed penguin lamp. I still remember it. It was really cute because I could just feel the, the fuzzy penguin and then click the light. <laughs> and instantly, things were a little bit better. I was still scared. I was still shaky. I was still alone. Still scared. And I didn't want to go back to sleep. So I just lay there until I finally would pass out. Occasionally, my mom and dad would see the light in my room, and they would come and uh, comfort me and pray with me. Um, But my nightmares would still come again. I remember even visiting a friend's church uh, one time, and I don't know what compelled me to do it, but there was, I mean, we're at a different church, and I see this pastor preach, and um, I'm insistent that my mom take me to go meet with him so he can pray with me and talk to him. I wanted to tell him about the nightmares I was having, because these, they were frequent, and I was concerned. And we went, we met with him, he reassured me, he prayed for me, but nothing seemed to change. Nothing really changed until right after that visit, shortly after, my mom read Psalm 23 for me. And like I said, I was nine, I, didn't, I wasn't reading my Bible regularly at the age of nine. Maybe I should have been, but it wasn't something I was accustomed to doing. Um, I had my own little Bible, and my mom pointed me and bookmarked where Psalm 23 was for me. And she read it to me and then prayed with me and encouraged me that when I woke up to read through this psalm. And I would love to say that things changed instantly, but they didn't. The nightmares still came. And as I woke up, things changed, though. As I turned on my light, instead of laying there scared, helpless, and just alone, I would quickly take my Bible, open it up to Psalm 23, and begin reading and reading until I got so tired I'd fall asleep. Oftentimes... I would have it like a stuffed animal. Although it was one of those big, hard-covered, bulky children's Bibles. <laughs> so the corners kind of got my armpits occasionally. <laughs> but I'd sit there, fall asleep with my Bible, um, to the comfort of Psalm 23. I found my comfort in this psalm. And many others have found comfort in this psalm too. That's why it's one of the most popular psalms um, in the book of Psalms. And this morning I would like to read through it. I'd like to explore what... It says about who God is and what that means for our relationship with him. And so let's read that together this morning. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalmist paints a vivid picture of our relationship with God through the metaphor of a good shepherd. It starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist uses this example of God as a shepherd. Now, I don't think a lot of us are, are there any shepherds here in the building today? No, not a lot of us, right? So this this metaphor might be lost on us a little bit, but God is a shepherd. Shepherds were known, a good shepherd was known to care for his sheep. In fact, Jesus uses it as an example to describe himself in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I am a good shepherd, and he knows his sheep intimately, and they know his voice. 
And Jesus and the psalm, psalmist were trying to convey that God knows us intimately. That he knows his sheep. He knows our names. He knows he knit us together in our mother's womb. We are beautifully and wonderfully made by God. And he knows us. He knows our fears. He knows our doubts. He knows when we are struggling. And as a good shepherd, he guides us. A, a, a while ago, a friend gave me, uh, gifted me with a book about a pastor who fought, wanted to know more about this metaphor. Uh, and so he followed Bedouins, or is another name for uh, sheep herders in Israel, for over a year and took notes, watched how these shepherds took care of their sheep, watched how they led them to different pastures for feeding, led them behind, by quiet waters for drinking. And one of the things he noticed, one of the things he notes over over and over in his book is how intimately the shepherd knew his sheep often 50 to 100 in his flock he knew them intimately he was able to distinguish each one from the other he was able to pick out their different characteristics which most of us would just be that's a sheep yep that's another sheep like (laughs) but he would be able to tell which one is which he would know their names their age their sex and he would also remember the illnesses the disease and the injuries that the sheep had recently had so he could care for them the shepherd knowing the sheep intimately was way important for his care for these sheep that was his job that was his livelihood was to care for these sheep in fact he wouldn't have to know them so intimately uh, that when he led them to pasture he just wouldn't take them all out to the grass and let them all just munch as they would to their heart's desire in fact, he would herd off different sections of the sheep. Um, one, the first time, he would herd out all the older sheep and let the youngest ones go first, the babies, to eat the nice, lush, juicy grass that they need. And then he would take those back, and then he would allow, it, the shepherd would allow the, the older, the oldest of the sheep to come and eat. And they would eat like the medium-grade grass. And then he would pull those off and he would herd them out. And then he would herd in the young, robust sheep, the middle-aged sheep. Yeah, middle-aged. That's where I'm at. <laughs> and they would eat the rest of the grass because they they're you know, strong and ready to do the work. And so they would eat them down to the root. This was the kind of intimacy that the psalmist and Jesus was trying to talk about. That God knows us so well, he knows what kind of grass we need to eat. Not that we eat grass. If you do, that's your thing. Okay, cool. Um, but... <laughs> But he knows his sheep, (laughs) and he takes care of his sheep intimately. God, our shepherd, who knows us intimately, takes care of us. Which leads us to the next part of the scripture. It says, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Our God is a God who provides for our needs. Just as that good shepherd would usher his sheep into into the pasture, and provide the type of grass that each one of them needs specifically. God does the same for us, providing for our basic needs. Um, This isn't the idea that the psalmist has everything his heart desires. I think sometimes as Christians, uh, we can get things twisted, and we can think, well, if God loves me, then he's going to give me what I want. That nice boat I've been looking at, the amazing retirement plan I want, to be able to live the life that I want to live, Maybe a new 82-inch TV for my new rent in my house. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. God is a giver of good gifts, and those things aren't bad in and of themselves. 
But the gifts that God is trying to give us are usually different than the material things that we imagine. Even sometimes the lifestyle that we imagine. Because God is after something different. And God wants to give in a bigger way than just our basic needs. And the psalm continues by saying that he restores my soul. See, God is in the business of transforming our hearts, restoring our souls, transforming us in the innermost of our being. He doesn't just take care of us, our basic needs, but when we approach him, when we're in a relationship with him, he transforms us. And I want to read this to you one last time because I I think even the beginning part of uh, the laying down in green pastures, this can be a refreshing part of this psalm. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do something maybe a little out of your comfort zone. I'm going to ask you to relax, lie back, and just imagine something for me. So close your eyes. Try to rid yourself of all distractions. And imagine being led gently to a section of grass that's just cushy on a hillside. You feel the warmth of the sun hitting you. As you lay in the grass, you feel the cushion of it behind you, the coolness of the ground coming up through it. And you start to listen, and you hear a babbling brook not too far off. You hear the waters as it slowly beats up against the rocks. As it trickles down the creek. And you're able to take a big breath of fresh air. And smell the grass, the earth. Even smell the water that's nearby. And I don't know about you. But that's a really refreshing picture. As you imagine it, as you put yourself in that position, as you imagine what that would be, even though this is part of the beauty about the Psalms, the images they paint for us to help us feel and imagine what the psalmist is trying to convey to us about our relationship with God. And I know that, that picture might not be perfect for all of us, but for me, that restores my soul. Like, If I could spend a day, like especially right now, I've been real busy lately, I don't know about you, but if I could just stay on a hilly, grassy side and just lay down (laughs) and just experience that for a day and just experience God's presence there with me in that place, that's refreshing. I think that's funny how God's creation, in a good way funny, that is used to really bring us restoration. And so it's not by coincidence that the psalmist uses that to describe this, to help us understand how God can refresh our souls. God wants to provide, even for our souls, our whole being. The next section of script part of the psalm says, He guides me wrong, right, along the right paths for his namesake. God is our guide through life, just like a shepherd guides sheep. I don't know if you know a lot about sheep. Uh, some will argue that they're pretty smart, but for the most part, I've heard sheep are pretty dumb. <laughs> that they tend to get themselves into situations that they shouldn't. And I don't think it's a uh, coincidence either that 
the psalmist is using this metaphor to help describe us in this. <laughs> that God is the shepherd and we can be the sheep. Oftentimes in that book that I read, he would talk about how the sheep would start to wander off and see a little patch of grass under some thorny bushes and just be like, mmm, food, and go right at it. <laughs> and next thing you know, they're stuck. Their woolly uh, fur is all stuck in the thorns of the bushes. And the shepherd has to quickly come and get them out. How true is that with some of our lives where we see something that is appealing and we walk towards it and we end up getting entangled in the thorn bushes of life because we weren't allowing God to be our guide. When God is our guide, and this, this uh, idea of um, guiding us down paths is uh, really commonplace in wisdom literature, especially in the Proverbs. And so... In Proverbs 4, we have a father who's telling his son how to live his life and how to be wise. And it says this. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the path, paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. See, when we allow God to be our guide, when we allow him to be our shepherd, um, it doesn't mean that circumstances aren't going to happen, that bad things aren't going to happen to us, but that God would guide us and help us navigate those circumstances. Just like a shepherd, storms came when they're out there. Um, you know, the, she- the sheep would get into things, but the shepherd would be quickly there to guide that sheep down the right path. It is our job to fix our eyes upon Jesus and allow him to be our guide. The next part of the psalm says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I was having my nightmares as a child, this was the section of the scripture that I like really latched on to. I just loved the imagery here because it was so applicable to my situation. I was, in my mind, as a nine-year-old child, in the darkest valley. It was dark in my room. I was having nightmares. Things were coming after me. I I sensed that they were evil. And and so for the psalmist to say, I will fear no evil and that you are with me. All of a sudden, the loneliness of my room changed. I realized that God was present there with me. And that his rod and his staff, just like the staff and rod of uh, of a shepherd, are there to protect the sheep and to guide the sheep, that they were there to protect and guide me. And I didn't quite understand that as a nine-year-old kid, but as I've grown up and as I've read the Bible, I realized, man, the, the shepherd had two tools. He had like a little mini baseball bat, a rod, <laughs> that he used to beat down bears and wolves and anything that came after his sheep. But sit there, he was, he's a protector. I was like, yeah, that's what I wanted as a nine-year-old kid. I want a protector to be like, get away, nightmares. <laughs> And then his staff, often we see with the the hook that was there to grab the sheep and to pull them off cliffs, to get them out of those bushes, to pull them and guide them. They comfort me, is what the psalmist says, and those comfort me. This section of scripture comforted me when I was a kid. But it doesn't stop there. I really like this next section of scripture because I think... There's kind of like a little trash talking going on here from the psalmist to his enemies. He's like, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Imagine this, okay? 
Many of you have probably seen Braveheart. If not, you've seen other movies where there's two armies going at it. They're about there. One's on one hillside with their swords and shields. The other one's on their side with their swords and shields. And then just a, pretty soon, the battle cry is going to happen. They're going to come out and try to run each other through. Imagine now. Close your eyes again and paint yourself a picture. Imagine being on those front lines of that battle. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and sets a table before you. And your enemies are right across there. And you're like, what? <laughs> And it's a feast, and you sit down. It's an abundance feast, and you sit there and dine in front of your enemies. Man, that's trash talk before we started talking trash in sports. Like, that's like, look who I got. My God is behind me. I'm going to eat in front of you because I'm not scared. That's crazy. I think that is an amazing picture. I don't know about you, but I just think that is an amazing picture. If our God is for us, who can be against us? That he uh, gives us a feast, a table with a feast in front of it, in front of our enemies. That we can dine in comfort and in peace when we're struggling, when we have enemies coming at us. It's a beautiful thing. The next section, he goes, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And as I was preparing this uh, for my sermon this week, I was reading one of my commentaries um, that they point out that this verse would be better translated from follow to pursue. And I really like that. I want to read that to you with that word change and see how it changes it ever so slightly. Surely your goodness and love will pursue me all the days of my life. One more time for you. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Our God is a pursuer. This narrative uh, goes from the beginning, from Adam and Eve, when they had sinned and fallen and they're hiding in the garden. God asks where they are. He pursues them in their shame, in their guilt. He pursues them in love. Our God is a pursuer. And it continues, it ends, it bookends with Christ coming, and then once again, Christ's second coming, where he comes to gather his children. God is a pursuer, and he pursues us in love. Surely, goodness and love will pursue me all the days of my life. And the last sentence, and I think is a really good culmination of this this image that David is trying to, to help us grasp. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And for us, that might not mean what, I think for him it meant more because the, the, the house of the Lord, the, the temple was where the presence of God was. That's where they saw the presence of God. People, the priests went in, they experienced the presence of God. And I think it's a perfect culmination to this uh, passage because What he's talking about is God is a good shepherd. He is consistently, no matter where he's at, no matter what life circumstances are, he's in the presence of the Lord. That's what gives him comfort. That's what gives him peace. That's what gives him uh, confidence. In all these situations, he doesn't need to be in the temple because God is with us. And we can't forget that, that we have God beside us all the time. That God never leaves us. God never forsakes us. We may turn our back on him. We may go a different way. But God is consistently pursuing us. And his presence will be with us. We can dwell in the house of, of the Lord forever, right now. 
because God's presence is with us. So what does this mean for our relationship with God? I know for me, as a kid, when I started reading this, and now as I've been studying and um, I've read it more and more, uh, it brings me comfort because I know God ultimately knows us. And God is our provider. And God is our guide for life. And God is our comforter and protector. And that God is a loving pursuer. I think that's why so many have found comfort in the psalm. Because they, it points out that our loving father, God, is a good shepherd who wants to lovingly pursue us all the time. And when we grasp these concepts of God, when we fully understand them and we begin to experience them, this is where radical change occurs in our lives. When we understand and believe what the scripture says about God. Initially, this truth, the truth of this passage provides us comfort, but this comfort turns to trust. As we read this and we begin to see how God can comfort us, we begin to trust him. And when our, we begin to trust God, we begin to trust him with our lives, and we begin to live lives in response to God's love. And congregation, that is worship. That is what God wants for us, to live lives in response to his love a lot of us can go trying to be christians and trying to follow rules and trying to appear good but until we have experienced that truth in our minds and in our hearts and in our souls we can't begin to live lives in response to god's love we have to experience that it has to be embedded in our lives and that's what the psalmist is getting at look at what a life looks like in worship of God, in relationship to God, in response to his love. You have peace and confidence that God knows and cares for you in all circumstances. You have peace and confidence that God is going to guide you even when the road seems ungoable. You have peace and confidence when, that God will bring glory to himself through your life you have peace and confidence that god will be comforting you and protecting you in all circumstances and we have peace and confidence that god is with us and constantly pursuing our lives brothers and sisters i know when we've i know some of us have experienced people who really embed this in their lives and we know that their lives are led by the lord when we see the peace that's in them. And it's not a fake peace when troubles come, but a peace that they know that this is going to be tough, but God's got it. That's the kind of life that God wants for us. I think of the story uh, of when the storm hit the sea with the Jesus and the disciples in the boat. How Jesus embodied this and how the di- disciples were fearful. When they got on the boat and Jesus and they uh, sailed away, and all of a sudden the storms came, started crashing upon the ships, and Jesus is sleeping in the back. I know I got a chance to go to Israel and be on the Sea of Galilee, and it's like a big lake, but um, it's different. They got hills on each side, so it's hard to see the storms, and when they do, because it's in a kind of a bowl, it, the winds cause these big gale force winds and these big waves to happen, so you see it, and you read about the storm, and you're like, Pfft. 
that's not a big storm. <laughs> that couldn't have been. But it, it is, and they wouldn't see him, so they hit him pretty abruptly. And the disciples were scared because they knew what could happen. There's a lot of shipwrecks from that time in the bottom of the sea there. And Jesus is there sleeping, sleeping, peacefully sleeping. And I think he embodied this, what we read about in this psalm. Confidence and trust in his father, the good shepherd, who would see them through. And in fact, when the disciples wake him, he's like, where's your faith? (laughs) Where's your faith? Jesus was living in response to God's love. And so can we. So I want to challenge you guys with that today. Are you, re- are you living in response to God's love? We're going to end the service a little different than normal. I'm going to pray, but then I'm going to ask um, Greg and Joanna to come up and sing a song that's um, based off Psalm 23. And so as I pray, I want you guys to just continue in a posture of prayer and just listen to the lyrics and allow them to enter your mind, to enter your heart. Place yourself there. And just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life in whatever circumstances are going in your life. Maybe things are good and you just need to be refreshed, restored, just needs a break. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Just allow this scripture to wash over you and bring you to the place where you can trust in the comforting God that we have. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are a good shepherd, that you know us intimately, that you're there to guide us, provide for us, to protect us, to comfort us, and that you're constantly in loving pursuit of us. Despite our failures, despite when we screw up, you're there with your shepherd's staff to pull us back on track. But God, as we come before you this morning, God, I pray through your Holy Spirit's power that you would just work in our lives in a way that just helps us understand that more so that we can live everyday lives in response to your love. As we listen to this song, God, just let it speak to us. Let it minister to us in the ways that only you know we need. I ask this in Jesus' name.